With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There has been an awakening. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Have you felt it? The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Toys, movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you know. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to the Riley and Kimmy Show, episode 621. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Right next to me is. Kimmy! I got one name! Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Yeah. Hi. And remember one thing about the Riley and Kimmy show. I am the villain of the story. That's right. I'm the villain of this story and every single story there is. All of them. 621s before this, right? 620 before this, actually, mm-hmm. right? And that 620 podcasts are available right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Please check it out and be sure to tell your friends about us. We are the place where nerdum, geekdom, freakdom. The place to escape from reality for a little bit. Wasn't that a song, Escape from Reality? It was in the, mm. in the lyrics, you know, going to escape from reality. Sort of. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what, am I twisting it out a little a bit? A little bit. Okay. You don't like my version? Well, yeah. I kind of like my version. Anyhow, the Riley and Kimmy show is here to entertain. And, you know, I am so happy, Kimmy. One of our very good friends, a fellow nerd and geek, has Driven all the way from Chicago, Illinois, fellow television and radio broadcaster Mark Mayhew has joined the Riley and Kimmy show and will be part of this episode here shortly. And one of the things I want to say uh, before we get to Mark and talk about nerd stuff is be sure to check out the Riley and Kimmy show this coming weekend. That's right. We will be out and about on Saturday. That is September 19th. At Lake Collecticon in Mount Dora, Florida, right? I'm excited about that. Yes, you are. I, yes. I can tell you are, and you're uh-huh. all, you're getting all costumed up and Woo-hoo. everything, getting ready, right? Yes. Opportunities to uh, get some great art. There'll be local artists there, like John Pintel. You have to check out his stuff. And let's see, Sean Surface will be there, comic creator. Oh, uh, by the way, comic creator and uh, just an extraordinary nerd and actually teacher of comic books will be there as well and that is Roland Mann Roland Mann good friend to the Riley and Kimmy show as well and also plenty of vendors one of them to check out I I say you have to and that is pop culture collectibles or actually pop culture playground they'll be there with a ton of comic books and actually I'm hoping maybe a treasury edition or two Kimmy I Mm. I I didn't pick up one one of the recent uh, conventions I got something else so I hope they will be there. And Wizard of Oz author and Wonderland author Ron Baxley Jr. will be there with books on hand and stories to tell. Be sure to check out Ron Baxley Jr. If you love the Wizard of Oz, you will want to stop by his table and meet him. And plenty of other things going on. And even a superhero, Kimmy. Johnny Duncan, the Hollywood legend, will be there signing autographs taking pictures he was robin back in 1949 in a batman movie 
Yes, it's going to be good. It will be good, and we hope to see you. Be sure to tell your friends about it if you can't go, or hey, if you can, get as many as you can to come. Come in costume. There is a costume contest. You don't have to compete. Just uh, come in costume and have fun, or look at those who are in costume, and there are some high-end costumers that will be there. I can't reveal yet, but one of them will be at our table, correct? Mm -hmm. A super friend will be at the Riley and Kimmy Show table. So be sure to uh, tell your friends about the Lake Collecticon going on Saturday, September 19th. We have more information right at our website at RileyandKimmy.com. But right now, it's time for us to bring our guest on hand. We welcome to the Riley and Kimmy Show, Mark Mayhew. Big welcome to Mark Mayhew. You are our guest. Matter of fact, you are the very first guest actually in studio to the Riley and Kimmy Show studios. I feel privileged. You are it. I mean, uh, we we occasionally have people as guests out and about, but uh, we invited you into the studios. You you actually drove down from the Chicagoland area to visit the Riley and Kimmy show. Well, I thought that's the least I can do if you're going to have me in the studio. Got <laughs> to get her somehow. Well, yeah. well, you could have flown. I mean, your arms might be a little bit tired, but you, you could have <laughs> you could have flown. You know, I mean, you could have done that. But you're actually a crazy kind of guy. You've been down here before visiting us, and you drive. I love long driving trips. Uh, I've done Route 66 twice. Uh, I let's see. I've driven everywhere. I used to drive to Texas a lot, especially down to the Mexican border. And let's see, where else have I, I? I drove, if you take, say, Rockford, Illinois, you take Route 20, it will go right into the eastern entrance of Yellowstone Park. I did that uh, once. Uh, Yellowstone Park is a very beautiful place. love to go there again. Uh, driven, you know, out east, uh, different places. Uh, one thing I haven't done, and I'm looking forward to doing it sometime in the future, I'd like to drive into Canada. That's my... Uh, probably somewhere down the road the next couple of years. You will do that during the summertime, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> just, you know, I, I, you know I, I'm just making sure. You know, I had an opportunity to work in Canada, actually further north, the Northwest Territories at one time. And I can't remember the name of the area, but, you know, you're in the Arctic Territory. Oh, sure. And I'm like, I don't think so. And there was actually, the only way in was by bush plane to the radio station. And I just, I didn't sound fun. Now, do you have something against airplanes? I mean, where you live, there's an airport very close to where you live. Right. That's outside of Chicago. And you, and you actually have two sources. You could go by the big Chicago airport to get down here, or you could go to the smaller airport. And the smaller airport actually is very, it, it, it has a direct service to a place very close about, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes away from the Riley and Kimmy Show Studios. Are you afraid of flying? No, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I guess it was in 2007. Uh, took a plane from RFD to uh, Sanford to uh, go to Disney World. So I mean, I know I know we do have planes that come down here. Uh, been to Vegas a few times. Uh, let's see, Reno. Uh, of course, I when I was a student uh, over in Europe, you know, I'd take a plane over there. So I, you know, it's I, you know, I've flown. I I, I prefer. I love. Uh, a nice drive. I love the scenery that uh, different places have to offer. Uh, one of the things, love driving out west. Have done that a few times. The neat thing about it to me, though, when I come back to the Midwest, I feel like I'm coming back to the Garden of Eden because you go out west and it's it's picturesque, no doubt. The The only thing is, all of a sudden you trade in your, your cactus and your tumbleweeds for grass and trees and everything else. And it you know it's kind of, you get an appreciation for uh, what's out in the Midwest. Uh, 
although I don't say I can't say the same thing. I love driving down to Florida. I love seeing the mountains, you know, because where I'm from, it is flatland. No, That's right. No problem. You know. But uh, I love, uh, you know, the mountainous drives. I, I love the scenery different times of day, uh, especially like say when I was coming down here, going through uh, kind of the Smoky Mountains early in the morning. You got these clouds kind of settling in the lower areas. As long as I'm not driving through it, it's 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 very picturesque. You don't want to do it uh, being foggy and all. But it is kind of neat to be able to drive and see, you know, this kind of nature kind of thing. And I, I really enjoy it. Well, it's one of the things I suggest to people when they talk about traveling. I say, you know, right here in uh, the continental United States, the uh, the 48, you can see such a wide range of things. You know, if, you, if they're doing what you do, if you don't just fly, you actually mm-hmm. go through. Because as a child, I was very fortunate that during summers and certain times off that I had a relative that would take me on the road. They were a... Uh, a over-the-road truck driver uh, for a national moving company. And they would take me along as a little assistant, starting at the age of like five and six. And I have been physically in all the states of the continental United States dozens of times by the time I graduated high school because of that. And I got to see, you know, the, the just the diverse mix of this country. And that's a treasure. And I, I wish other people had that opportunity to see. I think to me, one thing that it did to me at an early age, uh, being in cars, not only my parents, my uncles and such, is that for some reason, being and watching the world around you, I had a, a decent sense of where I was at. I could pretty much know if I was going north, south, east. For some reason, that uh, became ingrained into me being in, in vehicles uh, growing up. Uh, I, you know, probably when I was six or seven years old, I could probably sit, tell you where everything was within five miles where I was growing up. Wow. Uh, and I just, uh, I, for some reason, I think it gave me a great sense of direction uh, doing that. Uh, I have a little compass, you know, the digital compass on my car now. I uh, probably don't need it. Now, I, I will refer to it on occasion if I'm in a place where I'm, I haven't been. However, I, I'd like to think that if I was dropped off somewhere in the United States and give me a car, and if I drive somewhere within 30 minutes, I can pretty much tell you where I'm at and how to get back home. Well, we can test this out tomorrow in Daytona Beach. What, I, what I'll do is instead of having a car, we'll just we'll drop you off somewhere in Daytona Beach and I'll say, buddy, meet me, you know, a few hours later. Yeah. Let's just see how you do. There you okay. Go. No compass. Let's see how that direction is. Now you'll know this much. If you go too far East, it's the ocean. So, you know, you just don't go too far East. Good luck to you. Well, I'll, I'll take up the challenge. <laughs> All right. That could be kind of fun actually. Now when you eventually, you know, leave us and we, we're not looking forward to that, but when you do, um, are you going to go up through Kentucky? Uh, yes, I will. Yeah. Now, I, I want you to stop by a place called Monkey's Eyebrow, oh, Kentucky. Oh, know it, know it, know it yeah, well. See, you're, I think you're probably the only human being I've met that actually knows Monkey's Eyebrow. Now, can you explain something to me? For those who don't know, Monkey's Eyebrow, or, or you know, if, you're going, if you think I'm making this up, it's actually a city or town. It, Monkey's Eyebrow is on the western part of Kentucky, really mm-hmm. close to the Illinois border in the Indiana Territory. It's right there on that Ohio River mm-hmm. area, right before you get to, what, the Mississippi. Right. So why the name? Did a monkey escape, like, back in the 1800s? Do you know, like a traveling circus or something? Why was it? Why? I never have met anybody. When I worked in the uh, Tennessee area at a very high-powered radio station one time, I had somebody <laughs> call from there. And that's how I became aware of Monkey's Eyebrow. And I also used to drive through, what was it, Wycliffe, uh, mm-hmm. Kentucky, 
uh, and on my way back up to Illinois to visit relatives and stuff when I was living in Tennessee. And I, you know, so I kind of knew what this was. But do you know why the history of Monkey's Eyebrow? There's a number of places in the Midwest uh, that I cannot give you an answer. For example, same thing. I, I worked uh, in Indiana for a number of years. I cannot tell you when I ask somebody, what is a Hoosier? Nobody has <laughs> okay. that answer. So I, I, Monkey's Eyebrow falls in that same category. I'm not sure if it was named after something, uh, some landmark that resembled what they call, you know, Monkey's Eyebrow. I, it, but it's it's been there for, you know, uh, that, and I, I've asked and nobody seems to know the well, answer. Here's the story I think we'll create, and let's just make this the, the legend. You're right. The monkey escaped from a traveling circus and was looking in people's windows and they saw a monkey's eyebrow, you know, through the, uh, with the candlelight. And that, that's why I got named that. I'll, I'll go for that. I like that. that. That's it. So be sure, you know, maybe you could just deviate a little bit over when you're heading back up to Illinois. Stop by the Chamber of Commerce at Monkey's Eyebrow and just say, hey, I'd like to know. <laughs> I'd like to yep. know. Was somebody drinking some medicine uh, show, uh, you know, uh, solution and, uh, you know, and uh, name this town? I mean, uh, it, it just, I, I, always, I always find that funny. It, it's, it's, yeah, hey, one of the great names. You know, we know some bands and stuff like that. If they're looking for a new name, Monkey's eyebrow. Can you hear that on stage tonight? It's Monkey's mm-hmm. eyebrow. Hey, we're, I mean, look at Chicago. Chicago took the name of their town. Why can't we have one take the name of Monkey's eyebrow? There, there we go. And you know, we have good friends of uh, the uh, group Outdated Slang who have provided the Riley and Kimmy shows jingle. And by the way, we'll be talking to them in the very near future about their appearance coming up at Lake Collecticon in Mount Dora, Florida. And I know they're looking for new material. Katie Roberts is the gifted, uh, you know, individual doing a lot of the writing. Maybe she could work in Monkey's Eyebrow. I don't know how I got to go to Monkey's Eyebrow. Come on, Mark. Let's work this out for her. Better than June and Moon, right? I'm, I'm liking this. You know, I'm traveling on the road. I'm going to Monkey's Eyebrow. I don't know how. I just saw a brown cow and <laughs> buy monkey's eyebrow. Katie, work on that. We, we, do you think maybe she could come up with something in the next day or two? I don't see why not. I like it. And a little bit of maybe banjo to it. Do you think? Hey, yeah. And she's the talent. I mean, she could pull it off. <laughs> I think so. And unfortunately, uh, Mark is not going to be sticking around for uh, our big event at Lake Collecticon. I had to move something there in the studios. You notice we have great studio etiquette here. Yes. Um, and that is he won't be able to see Johnny Duncan. At the Lake Collected God. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, you you will not be able to see Johnny Duncan in Mount Dora, Florida. And I know you are upset because one of the things Mark and I did before sitting down for episode 621 is we opened up a DVD that was given to me. It's the Johnny Duncan DVD. It's his last performance, a tribute performance that was done in Deland, Florida. And, oh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> you. You're like, I got to watch this. And the reason I think you said that, if I remember the story right, is you actually watched the movie serials a long time ago. I, I did. Uh, yeah, I got some yeah, some great Batman stories. That is one of them. One is, uh, I guess, uh, back in the mid-60s, uh, right before we, uh, we moved to Romeoville, uh, the movie theater, the Lido in Maywood, Illinois, was showing... On Saturday afternoon, all of these Batman serials, what, 47, 40? Yeah. 1943 yeah. and the 1947 Seven, one. Right. Be, uh, or so, 49. Or, 49, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so anyway, they were showing the, the ones from the late 40s. And basically, they were showing them all afternoon. So you got in for like 75 cents. They gave you a little bag of popcorn, whatever. And all these kids are watching these Batman serials. And they are, I tell you what, it makes um, 
Flash Gordon looked like Gone with the Wind. Let's put hey. it that way. Now, which version of Flash Gordon? Are you talking the movie serial ones or the 1970, was it 79 No, no, movie? I'm talking about the Buster Crab. Oh, okay. No, but but anyway, I'm watching this. And the, re- and the reason I, I say that in, in somewhat of a jest is that me and a bunch of friends are watching this. And, you know, goes, you know, five, ten minutes or whatever. And all of a sudden, something happens. A car rolls off a cliff. And I'm like, okay, how are they going to survive this? Well, okay, then they, of course, they roll the, you know, we didn't have to wait till next week. We just waited 30 seconds. And the next episode comes on, and you find out that Batman and Robin jumped out of the car before it went over the cliff. Uh, same thing with an elevator. You know, they somebody falls down an elevator, and like, oh, who survives that? Well, the next, you know, thing you see in the next episode is they got up and just walked away. And I'm like, okay. But again, it was it was done for a younger audience, I'm sure. And I remember the the character Robin, who is uh, our friend Mr. Duncan, uh, was you know had this kind of curlyish hair, uh, didn't have anything that resembled a Batmobile that I remember. Well, they ha- that, but they had a nondescript Batmobile. You know, it was a car. Well, it was. <laughs> and actually, you know, to, to give a break, the as you notice right here, I do have some of the original Batmobiles mm-hmm. uh, in the studio. Not the actual full size, but the replicas. The one over there with the bat head right. is one of the very first, actually, that was a, a Batmobile. Before that, actually, Batman, and this makes no sense in Batman, he drove a red car in the one of the early issues, that's what was the Batmobile. Yeah, I, I don't get that one. And it, I think maybe they were trying to sell color, you know, in the comic book mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I know you're knocking him a little bit there, you know. That but he, again, you look at the era. You know, you know what I'm hoping, Mark, is I hope Johnny Duncan has some, you know, uh, stills that he'll be signing and stuff that he'll bring, you know, publicity photos and stuff. And I hope, because this is in his book, the Hollywood legend, the Johnny Duncan story by Richard Lester on page 141. Yes. Take a look at this. Batman trapped. I'd right. like to get a... that one. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that, doesn't that say classic vintage movie serial it, right it, there? It does. I mean, exactly so. Right. And uh, yeah, I hope he has that one. No, that's page 141. Now, for those who are saying, what book, where is this book? I'll tell you what, if you're in Central Florida... I know where this book is. <laughs> you're like you're you're jealous. I know you are, aren't you? I I don't have a copy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I will tell you, it is. Uh, we now we we do have. I mean, I did see something of him, you know, at that theater. Him oh, talking. the DVD you watched right. with us. But you know, I could get a copy of this possibly for you, maybe even later on today, because this show is available on Tuesday. Because we're going to stop by Carousel's Collectibles in downtown Deland, and our good friend Jim Kara. I don't know how many stacks of these are available. Uh, last I knew, he did at least have four or five, and they are available in store. And you know what? It's been signed by the author, Richard Lester. Yes. I, can you flip the the back? Can I see the back page? The back? No, the back cover. So make sure. Okay, I just want. There's a price code on there. I didn't know how long ago this thing was printed. So, I don't know what to say. I, I think you're you're mocking my book here. No, no, I no. I, I, like no I, I, you know what? You know what? He met Jimmy Cagney, James Cagney. Well, he worked with uh, the Legends. It sounds like you know, he worked uh, was Alan Ladd. I think he worked with Alan Ladd. Humphrey Bogart. No. I mean, he not in. He was. He's been in some westerns. Do you know this person, Donald O'Connor? And he worked with him as well. Has That's stories right. about that. And seriously, all the stories are available. The book is very, very nice to read, and it'd be a great thing to get autographed. 
You know, I tell you what, yeah, and you know, he. Do you have to go back? You could stay. You know, why couldn't you just stay till Saturday and go to the convention with us and work the table, our table, our booth? It's it's tempting. It's very tempting. I tell you what, I'll give you my DVD if you'll do that. You know, that probably should go to somebody who would really like to see that. Do you think we should do that? Do you think we should give away the DVD? I don't see why not. Well, let's, you know, I tell you what, because you're going to be part of the next show, right? Our next uh, yes. episode, right? Yes. You and I have plenty of time, and we'll talk to Jim, because Jim's uh, friend and uh, partner in the store, uh, Terry, will be at the event. Let's see if we can create a way to give it away, maybe. That'd be fun. I think that would be. Mm-hmm. You won't stay. If I tell you what, I, I'm down to my last week of vacation. You know, I have bat cuffs here because, you know, I do portray myself as Batman from time to time. I do. And you. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Get this. I do have a Batman, you know, suit, right? I cosplay as Batman, right? All right. Yeah. Have you ever thought of cosplaying as Robin? Hmm. Huh? Hmm. You and me, we could we could reenact some of these scenes right here. Think about it. Well, uh-huh. you, we, we could reenact some of them. I think so. They may not be well. I mean. <laughs> you can well, see, you can yeah, see the me. One, the, that man trapped one. We you can see me do, do page one forty one right there. That would work. I like it. Yeah. So anyhow, in all seriousness, this uh, this this excellent book is available at Carousels Collectibles, and be uh, on the lookout. I have a feeling that if you if you don't pick it up before the show, that uh, Terry Moore will have some of those, and he might even have some of those uh, DVDs too. I, it you know again he, he's he it, he was pretty out. Personal with the audience uh, at oh, the theater. Oh yeah, sharing his his story. And, and again, it's that's an era that uh, is is a bygone era and doesn't exist. And back in this, you know, you, know, you are telling the tr- uh, the truth on that one. And I'm being very serious here. This is an opportunity to talk to somebody who actually was in the presence of Humphrey Bogart, mm-hmm. of Alan Ladd. Name an Alan Ladd movie you really liked. Shame. Ah, the man in the net's the one I'm going to say. You, did you ever see that? You're a big movie freak. Yeah, man yeah, in the yes, net. Carolyn Jones, who would eventually be in the Adams Family, plays a psychotic wife in that thing. And I'm surprised that ever got made, actually, the way it is shot. It's very weird uh, for a state. And I don't think it got a lot of play in, you know, years later, like in the, the late night sure. movies, did it? Much? Not not much. Not much. It, I, 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 you know, and did... Would you, would you classify it as film noir? Oh, yes. I'd say it was probably one of the last ones. Yeah. Uh, pretty close to it. Wouldn't you? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I definitely call it that. And it, I, it's something I don't even see on some like the Movies Network or this. or I mean, they do run it occasionally, uh, but it just, you know, it's not one you, you see a lot. Sure. You're definitely not going to see it on like a Netflix, I don't know. Uh, well, and, and the thing, those those pictures, the, what, what they have going against it, which was their strength at the time, being black and white. Yes. Black and white, I, there is something about I love uh, a good black and white movie. Uh, and I think even on TV, the early Twilight Zone episodes, well, all the Twilight Zone episodes are in black and white. Uh, because of camera angles and contrast. It's shadowing. It is just, they're wonderful to see because they set a certain mood. And and again, this, this movie, uh, any film noir, you have, you, you, set, you set these things up with, that kind of again contrast shading, what have you, and camera angles, you you can't do that on on color because it just it throws people off. You know, I think and I think you see a feel. You, at least I do. In a certain television show, as an example of that, it was great in black and white, in my opinion, and that is The Fugitive. But the minute it crosses into that color zone, I think there's something lost. I don't know mystery tension. Uh, I guess you get it. that you get a kind of a, I don't know, a, a reality. To it, I, it, it's almost documentary-like when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and another one. It's not 
a drama. But to me, it's when the show changes, and that's the Andy Griffith show. Black and white years, I love. Mm-hmm. The minute we go into that color, it's starting to me, you know, I, I don't like it as much. Well, it's all of a sudden characters change. Right. Uh, things of that. And uh, Ken Berry, great. But uh, Mayberry RFD is. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, oh, boy. Yeah. That's pushing it right there. Yep. Now, I can't, you know, Petticoat Junction and those things, I understand those color. But, you know, that Andy Griffith show. And the Hillbillies, though, to me, it transferred from right. black and white to color. And see, I grew where I grew up. Uh, my father was, how do we put it? Quite frugal. Uh, when he, I think everybody had a color television set. My father, my father still had a black and white TV going into the 1980s. Wow. Yeah. Because to him, that was color. Black and white. You know, I got a color TV and it's black and white. No, he would. So when I was a child growing up and, and a young teenager, you know, I never saw Star Trek until I moved out of the house in color as a young guy. Now, what, what was your take on it when you saw it in color? Well, I knew the episodes already <laughs> quite yeah. well because I'd saw them as many as I could. Black, white, but yeah, I was like, oh, wow. You know, I, I love it. You know, I love I, it. Was, it was actually watching them like for the first time, some of them, you know, mm-hmm. the very first time. So, yeah, I mean, there are shows I grew up with, like the Hillbillies. I never saw them in anything but black and white. It's like, wow, they actually did color for a while. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of a trip. But when I see shows that I didn't see in the first runs, and the black and white version is an example like Combat, 12 o'clock high. And then when they did this color, and some of it almost looked like a colorization they, they attempted, or it was very weak color, uh, it, it was lost. Some of the show appeared lost. A classic version of that is uh, the Beatles movie, A Hard Day's Night. Ah. Uh, they did some test shooting in color, but then they went back and shot uh, the rest of the whole movie in black and white because the movie uh, had to give it, again, a documentary feel. Even though it was a fictional account of the Beatles uh, over a 24-hour period, uh, shooting it in black and white and the way they were doing hand-holding the camera just gave this feel of over more immediacy than if it was in color. Wow. You are a movie geek. Oh, yes. I love it. And we're going to watch some movies, I think, uh, by the next episode and maybe uh, mm-hmm. have a fun uh, critique. we got a nerd thing we might be watching. And actually, you know, Mark chose to watch... The Day of the Doctors, a Doctor Who movie. It's technically a movie. was released in the theater as well. And that was the first time you saw The Day of the Doctors, right? Right, it, it was. I and enjoyed it. I love, uh, I, I have a, a minor, very minor collection of uh, shows uh, on BBC. Because whatever it is, uh, for some reason, again, they make their money off of subscriptions. So they, they have the money and they don't have to worry about selling advertising. So they got the money so they can budget for these things. Uh, this looked pretty close to being uh, something that, uh, say, one of the bigger studios in Hollywood do. Not quite, but pretty close to it. Yes. And if they had the extra money, but they didn't, you know, they didn't spare on, produ- you know, as far as production was concerned. And I love uh, British, not the, not so much they're speaking in accents and the dialogue, but the way they write these movies uh, and the way they write their TV shows is just fantastic. I, I love uh, whoever does uh, writing for British uh, television because it does have a, a neat uh, feel to it. I, and maybe, it, again, part of it is the accent, but the other part is just the dialogue that they write is is just great. And I wish I'd seen this movie actually in the theater with you. Nothing against Kimmy, but Kimmy just didn't... I mean, she loves David Tennant, and she she loves Matt Smith, and I do as well. Uh, but she... she 
she just doesn't care for Tom Baker or even because she didn't watch him as a child, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the Doctor Who. And I love Tom Baker. He was my first exposure to the Doctor because where I grew up out in the prairie, out in the middle of nowhere, uh, a TV station went on in the nearby. It, it came in if you, you know, move the antenna right. And that was in Peoria where it came in. And I was the only person watching PBS, I think, at that time period, especially in the little farm area I was from in school. And so none of the kids knew what I was talking about. You know, this doctor thing. You know, I think they thought I was like, you know, half crazy. And, you know, eventually Starlog would be really writing more and more about it. And I just, I fell in love with Tom Baker. Even mm-hmm. though those were cheesy and cheap sets and things that they did, I just loved him. And my first person who uh, got me a job in radio uh, my mentor, my first mentor, looked exactly, he was a doppelganger, and he is to this day, to Tom Baker. And, wow. and Kim, Kimmy cannot stand him. Uh, she met him, actually, it was like the second or third time she and I had, had went out to dinner or something. I introduced her to him, and they, they had a clash. And it was one of those weird, awkward situations. And she's like, hey, he's your friend, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And then when she saw Tom Baker on screen, that I was watching something, she's like, oh, my God. It's him. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's my. And I have an action figure of that doctor, sure. which I am not supposed to have it in the studio here anywhere where she talks. She doesn't want to even see it. Is that a trip? That well, you know, that does happen. But I, I you know, uh, my dad. Uh, what's funny is my dad, who I, somewhat of a science fiction fan, but uh, more fantasy. But when uh, Doctor Who was being shown on public television in Chicago back in the early '70s. I, I remember coming home from school and he's watching this and I'm like, oh, what you watching? You know, he's Doctor Who and this and this and and it it was a time when they were going from one character to the other uh-huh. and uh, you know and I and I and he was like before I could even ask about it he was like doesn't matter shapeshifters they can <laughs> they can be anything they want and I'm like okay and I mean you know he turned me on to it but I I was surprised my dad uh, was a big fan of Doctor Who in the early 70s, but I mean, you know, I'm, when I'm watching it, I mean, I can see it. I don't know what uh, caused him to be, you know, just enthralled with it, but he was. And again, uh, a lot of times, especially early 70s, a lot of times the characters are the ones, you know, the dialogue, It's that's what sells it. Yes. Yeah, you're not going to get these uh, these great sets that you would get later on because of CGI graphics, but as long as you could suspend a little bit of disbelief, our belief, and then uh, again, the characters are the ones that sell it as much as anything else. It's it's no different than the Outer Limits in a way, because the Outer Limits had a horrible budget, and yet it had excellent storytelling and very good acting and mm. directing. And with that limited budget, you know, they told a great story. And as long as you were able to, you know, suspend disbelief for just a little bit of time, uh, mm. it you know, it, it's it's magic right there. Now talking about timey wimey kind of stuff, because we're talking about Doctor Who. I thought it'd be perfect here to play a little contest, all right, dealing with time. Sure. Okay, and since, you know, you're from the old radio days with me, you will understand where we're going with this and have fun. The day this is uploaded and available is September 15th. Let's just see how Mark does with the almanac. Are you ready, Mark? Go ahead. It's going to be nerd almanac related, okay? None of that, you know, boring, uh, serious (laughs) stuff, okay? (laughs) Question for you, Mark. (laughs) On this date in history, the Lone Ranger premiered on television with whom... As the Ranger, that's the first question. And whom as Tonto? Uh, well, Clayton Moore. Very good. And Jay Silverheels. All right. Give me the year. Television. First time. Oh, gosh. Probably 52. 1949. And I, can, I was thinking of the 48, but I kept thinking, oh, and, okay. Yeah. And what network? NBC. ABC. ABC, okay. Now, I'm going to bounce around. I'm not going to do these, you know, sure, sure. down through because I'm not going to make it easy, all right? Now, the next one for you. Ready? 
Mm-hmm. Huey Lewis in the News. The album Sports was released. What year? Oh, 1983. He got it. You did it. My goodness. Yeah, you're yeah, good. good All right. Lost in Space premiered on what network and what year? All right. It was a CBS. You got it. Um, I'm thinking 1965. That's right. Right before. Think about it. You're a season before Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool. I mean, I can't. Did you watch it as a kid? Did you like it? I watched the, the first year. That's the black and white year. Let's make note of that. Right. Black and white year. And my dad, uh, for some reason, got very tired of it. I, I, I don't think he was a big Jonathan Harris fan. Oh, and they really started boosting him up in those episodes. Right. I, I, from what, I guess, I know we were talking about this in the past. I think uh, he was not supposed to be as prominent. Right. He was supposed to be, I think, bumped off or left on a planet by episode four, five, somewhere around in there. Mm-hmm. Because he was a bad man. Not this, you know goof bumbling comedic individual yeah. he was a bad spy and everything and uh but the kid and the robot became the star stars yep. Yep. Uh, that so yeah and zachary harris jonathan harris uh zachary smith became a big bigger thing uh, and now my dad did like jonathan harris uh about a year or two before there was a uh, a short-lived uh, tv series with bill dana Oh, okay. Uh, playing Jose Jimenez, who uh-huh. is a uh, basically a, a bellhop at a hotel, and Jonathan Harris played his supervisor. Wow, that is some trivia. Yeah. You're, you're good. You're good. Right, we got some easy ones. We're going to be quick here, okay? All right, right television-wise, let's move over to the sports, because you like sports. It was mm-hmm. on this date in history. Muhammad Ali defeated Leon Spinks to win his what heavyweight boxing title? How oh, many? it had to be his... Third, that's correct. End the year, nineteen seventy-eight. <laughs> He's good. You're doing good, buddy. Yeah. Okay, the dom- the domain name Google.com was registered on this date in history. Oh my gosh! I, Come um, on, you you're my you're right, my cyber right. I'm gonna guru go, here. I'm gonna go um, nineteen ninety-nine, nineteen ninety-seven. Okay, all right, and a couple more here. The first issue of USA Today was published. What year? Nineteen. 19- 83 1982 and did you see the newsrooms change with that in your opinion when it came out at first uh, i know newspapers uh changed i mean if you look at it you know for example if you look at the old new york times how uh basically it was pretty much all print not much and i think newspapers added uh more graphics uh after the usa today came out and in your opinion do you know anybody that reads or do you know anybody that reads the usa today anymore or is it just something that's you know does what, it, does we, it exist? We used to get a we used to get a subscription uh, to it uh, at either radio stations or the TV station. I worry, not anymore. Right. Uh, be, part of it is because of the internet, because you can either get this through the internet, uh, and I think it was. I always thought it was like a, a daily magazine to me because of all these different graphics, like factoids, basically. Yeah. And when I, I would do morning shows as the entertainer and personality, not as a news base, I would use those as what we call thought starters. You would grab those things and mm-hmm. and use those to work into talk elements and things like that. That's what it's it served. That's the only purpose it served to me. You know, then so uh, I I couldn't tell you the last time I purchased one or even saw one. Uh, USA Today. I, I've seen. Uh, what's funny is I see more of the USA Today weekend as opposed, ah, yes, as opposed yes. to the. But, you know, it's out there. I don't know what their subscription rate is anymore. Okay. And let's move back to television. On this date in history, Green Acres premiered on what network in what year? In what year? Oh, I'm sure it's, it's uh, again, a CBS. That's right. And ooh, I'm going to say, I want to say 65. You got it. Did you watch that as a kid? or I uh, did. Uh, and you, you liked it? 
I, I, it was, it was, uh, it was cute. My, my mom thought that Ava Gabor was more talented than her sister, uh, Jaja. Now, wait a minute. Which one was in the sci-fi movie? Jaja was in, uh, yeah, the moon, was, the yeah. well, Amazon women on the moon. moon right. Yeah, she was, right. she was, and, uh, she was also in the interesting, uh, she was in a Mario Lanza movie, the seven Hills of Rome. And Jaja, I think was in the mad magician with, uh, Vincent Price yes. in, in the early fifties. But, uh, Ava, my, my mom thought Ava had better comedic timing and was probably hmm. a better actress overall than hmm. uh, Jaja was. All right, final one. You ready? Mm. They're both celebrating a birthday today. Okay. I want you to tell me their age. Okay. All right. Notice I said age. It means it's the same. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Oliver Stone, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, I, I'm going to say... Uh, Hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Um, I'm going to say 72. They are 69 years of age. Wow. Mark, you did a good job there. I, I have to say thank you for playing the Almanac. Uh, I can't call it a game, but the Almanac history part, because we had to do timey-wimey kind of stuff, you know, because of Doctor Who. Oh, sure. So I appreciate you being part of the Riley and Kimmy show. Are, are you coming back for episode 622? Let's go for it. Yes. All right. Uh, join us for 622. Mark and I are going to have an adventure all around Central Florida, and we'll uh, do a recap of that and all kinds of fun. So be sure to bookmark share whatever it takes friend us social media us you can do all that by going right to our website which is rileyandkimmy.com visit rileyandkimmy.com to connect on social media and for archive podcasts okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.